0: And if you wouldn't mind to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the Old Testament book of Ruth. The Old Testament book of Ruth and Ruth in chapter number 4. The Old Testament book of Ruth and Ruth in chapter number 4. We're currently in a series dealing with the lineage of Jesus Christ that we mark 64 different generations in Jesus' kingly line from Adam all the way up to the Lord Jesus Christ and as we have traveled together and studying the lineage of Christ of course we started with Adam we went to his son Seth then we traced Seth's godly line found in Genesis chapter number five we picked it back up with um, Noah and we traced Noah's line Uh, Through Seth and we found it as we went through Genesis chapter number 11. We stopped at Terah, Abraham's father, hit Abraham himself, Isaac, Jacob... And then as we went through Jacob, we hit Phares. Then we traveled through the bondage lineage as the people were brought into Egypt. And they were put in bondage in Egypt. They were brought out of Egypt through God's miracle hand through the Red Sea. And that we saw this godly lineage settle here at Bethlehem. On Wednesday, or the last time we met on Wednesday, Thursday, we had traveled through and we had met um, one of the godly women found in the lineage of Jesus Christ one of the most honored women of Rahab. And this morning we hit another lady. We hit Ruth as we saw the, her lineage as well and trace through what God had done with her and then we trace some of that lineage of Jesus Christ. Now today we are going to hit Ruth's uh, husband, her future husband, and also Rahab's son Both of them, Boaz. We run into Boaz here. And if you don't mind, let's pick it up in Ruth chapter number 4. Ruth chapter number 4. Notice with me if you don't mind starting at verse number 1. Ruth chapter 4 and verse number 1. Then went Boaz up to the gate and sat him down there. And behold, the kinsmen of whom Boaz spake came by, unto whom he said, Ho, such a one, turn aside, sit down here. And he turned aside and sat down. And he took ten men of the elders of the city and said, Sit ye down here. And they sat down, and he said unto the kinsmen, Naomi that is come again out of the country of Moab selleth a parcel of land, which was our brother Elimelech's. And I thought to advertise thee, saying, Buy it before the inhabitants and before the elders of my people. If thou wilt redeem it, redeem it. But if thou wilt not redeem it, then tell me that I may know, for there is none to redeem it beside thee, and I am after thee. And he said, I will redeem it. Then said Boaz, What day thou buyest the field of the hand of Naomi, thou must buy it also of Ruth the Moabitess, the wife of the dead, to raise up the name of the dead upon his inheritance. And the kinsman said, I cannot redeem it for myself, lest I mar my own inheritance. Redeem thou my right to thyself, for I cannot redeem it. Now was the manner in the former time of Israel concerning redeeming and concerning changing. For to confirm all things, a man plucked off his shoe and gave it to his neighbor, And this was a testimony in Israel. Therefore the kinsman said unto Boaz, Buy it for thee. So he drew off his shoe. And Boaz said unto the elders and unto the people, Ye are witnesses this day, that I have bought all that was Elimelech's, and all that was Kilian's, and Malon's, and the hand of Naomi. Moreover, Ruth of Moabitess, the wife of Malon, have I purchased to be my wife, to raise up the name of the dead upon his inheritance, that the name of the dead be not cut off from among the brethren. And the gate of his place ye are witnesses this day. And all the people that were in the gate and the elders said, We are witnesses. And the Lord make the woman that is come unto thine house like Rachel and like Leah, which too did build the house of Israel. And do thou worthily in Ephrathah, and be famous in Bethlehem. And let thy house be like the house of Phares, who Tamar bare unto Judah, of the seed which the Lord shall give thee of this woman." So Boaz took Ruth, and she was his wife, and he went in unto her, and the Lord gave her a conception, and she bare a son. And the women said unto Naomi, Blessed be the Lord, which hath not left thee this day without a kinsman, that his name may be famous in Israel. And he shall be unto thee a restorer of thy life, and a nourisher of thine old age, for thy daughter-in-law, which loveth thee, which is better to thee than seven sons hath bored him and Naomi took the child and laid it in her bosom and became a nurse unto it and the women of her neighbors gave it a name saying there is born unto Naomi and they call his name Obed he is the father of Jesse the father of David. Now these are the generations of Phares. Phares beget Hezron, and Hezron beget Ram, and Ram beget Amenadab, and Amenadab beget Nation, and Nation beget Solomon Salaman beget Boaz, and Boaz beget Obed, and Obed beget Jesse, and Jesse begat. David. And if you're in the habit of marking things in your Bible, would you mark two phrases that we find within the book of Ruth in chapter number four? The book of Ruth in chapter number four, and the first phrase I'd like for you to uh, underline if you're in the habit of marking things in your Bible, is in the book of Ruth chapter four. Notice with me in verse number four, we have the word kinsman. We have the word kinsman. And then as we find in Ruth chapter 4 and verse number 4, we have another word that we want to highlight, and that is the word redeem, redeem. And with this, we want to hit the principle as we study Boaz right here, the kinsman redeemer. The kinsman redeemer. If you don't mind, let's go to the Lord together and let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you again for you being a wonderful God. And as we come up to you today to open up your word and to study your lineage, we're asking that you would give us special power and special understanding from your precious word that not only we could see the historical elements and we could see the elements written in your law, that we could also see you through this all, Jesus, that we could understand more about your love for us and what you did for us, for you being our kinsman redeemer. Again, I have no confidence in the flesh and no trust in myself. So the best I know how, I surrender myself to you now and give you my thoughts, my ideas, my desires, my ambitions, my goals. I set them at your feet and that you do whatever you want with your service using your man as your instrument and just fill me with your precious spirit and we trust you to do your own work through your precious word and we love you in Jesus name, amen. Now we understand that God provided inheritance for the children of Israel. He had provided a special provision within the law that if anyone happened to die Without leaving an inheritor, there was a case that was provided in the Old Testament law to provide an inheritance within a family so that way they don't lose the inheritance. Property rights and inheritance were very important to God. God had given them the land and he had also set it up so that way someone didn't end up monopolizing it or buying it all or purchasing it for themselves. But families would always have the inheritance that God had desired for them to have. It also covered a case if a man died childless. His inheritance wouldn't cease. And the principle that was given in this was called the kinsman redeemer. With this word, we have the word redeemed, which carries the idea to buy back. The idea of kinsman carries the idea of someone that's close in relations. And within the provision of the kinsman redeemers, there were three principles, three qualifications that had to be met in order for someone to be able to redeem someone according to this provision. The three provisions of the kinsman redeemer. These three qualifications were this. First of all, they had to have the right to redeem by a blood relationship. They had to have the right to redeem Through a blood relationship. The second provision, the second qualification of the kinsman redeemer is that they had to have the power to redeem. Meaning they had to have the funds, they had to be able to purchase it, they had to have the power to redeem. And the third principle of the kinsman redeemer is that they had to be willing to redeem. They had to be willing to redeem. So once again the three qualifications of the kinsman redeemer is that they had to have the right to redeem by a blood relationship They had to have the power to redeem, and had to be within their power, and they had to have the willingness to redeem. And so as we see the book of Ruth, we actually see this process of the kinsman-redeemer actually being carried out through the person of Boaz. Now remember, as we find this story, we had covered a little bit this morning that there was a man by the name of Elimelech, and Elimelech, instead of finding what the Bible had to say, opened his wallet and turned to page number 20, realizing there was a famine in the land, and so he went down to Moab instead of trusting in God, and he tried to survive on his own, and in the course of time, he died, and when he died, he left Naomi alone with her two sons, well, in the process of time, her two sons got married to a lady by the name of Orpha and to the lady by the name of Ruth well in the process of time those two sons died and so now naomi is left with her two daughters in law and as we covered this morning they came and traveled to the to the um border of Bethlehem Judah they had Bethlehem Judah on one side Moab on one side and the three ladies hugged each other and they cried and they wept and they were willing to follow Naomi and we have the story of two ladies Orpha remembers double is means her name means double-minded and the problem with Orpha is that she didn't decide to hate God and to run away from God the problem with Orpha is that she refused to make any decision and so someone made the decision for her. And so she went back to her gods. She went back to her family. She went back to her comforts. Whereas Ruth clave unto her mother er, in law and said, Wherever you go, I'll go. Your people be my people. Your God, my God. And so Ruth traveled. And as we make mention this morning in Ruth chapter 2, it was just her hap. That's a nice Bible way of saying that God had arranged it. It just so happened that she landed working in the field of the most eligible bachelor found within Bethlehem and that was Boaz and it just so happened that this eligible bachelor happened to be a near kinsman and you'd almost think that God was blessing her for her decision to follow after God and so as we pick it up we see the love story of Boaz and Ruth begin to pick up that as she was working in the field Boaz went and he saw her noticed her asked some questions found out about her and they had a small little interaction And now we come to the place of this story of Ruth and Boaz and we can see as Boaz now is trying to do things under the law realizing she's a near kinsman and that there were property rights and inheritance that had to be gained that he wanted to do things properly and so with this he goes ahead and grabs the council of people and grabs a near kinsman and they go through this process of the kinsman redeemer and as we go through here the very first thing that we want to notice here is the power to redeem the power to redeem. Sorry, the the right to redeem. I want to hit that one first. The right to redeem. So as we hit chapter 4, verse number 1, what we see here is that Boaz, he was a man of wealth. We understood that from Ruth chapter number 2 and verse number 1. In fact, let's hit there really quick. That Naomi had a kinsman of her husbands, a mighty man of wealth of the family of Elimelech, and his name was Boaz. So we already know that he already had finances, and he also had the qualification of being a close relation. To Ruth and met the qualification. And so Boaz is introduced to Ruth as he's gleaning on the field in verse number three. Notice what happened, chapter two, verse three. And she went out and came and gleaned in the field after the reapers, and her hap, it just so happened was to light on a part of the field belonging to Mo, uh, to Boaz who was of the kindred of Elimelech you'll notice that word kindred found throughout the scriptures here and it's carrying the idea that God is building up a case and he's showing this idea of this kinsman He heard about her good testimony in verse number 11, chapter 2, verse 11. And Boaz answered and said unto her, It hath fully showed to me all that thou hast done unto thy mother-in-law since the death of thy husband, and how thou had left thy father and thy mother in the land of thy nativity, and art come unto a people which thou knewest not. And so he begins to talk with her and says, I've heard about your testimony. I've heard about what you've done. And because of this, I have an interest in you. And so he gathers up this council and he begins to uh, put them together. And we could see that he was a close relationship. The very first thing is that he had the right to redeem. He had the right to redeem. The second thing is that he had the power to redeem. Now redeeming was an expensive enterprise. You had to purchase the property And you had to purchase the person, meaning to pay the bills to get everything set up, so that way you could marry them. It doesn't come cheap, and so not everyone had the ability to redeem. As Boaz is introduced, he's introduced as a man of wealth. And it's important in this story right away because we see someone who actually has the wealth. He has the ability to redeem. He has the wealth to be able to do so. But then there was the third case. Not only did you have to be a near kinsman, not only did you have to have the ability, the power to redeem, but you also had to have the willingness to redeem. Now when he does this, he happens to have a kinsman that happens to be closer in blood relation than he was to the family of Elimelech, Naomi, and Ruth. Pick it up in verse number one with me, chapter four, verse one, then went Boaz up to the gate and sat him down there. And behold, the kinsmen of whom Boaz spake came by Unto whom he said, "Ho, oh, such a one, turn aside, sit down here. And he turned aside and sat down. So here's the near kinsmen. They sit down. Most of the business done in the ancient world was done outside of the city gates. This is where people would gather. Boaz sat down. He was waiting for this near kinsman to come. He gets him to sit down. I've got some business to talk with you. Sit down and let's, let's discuss it. Verse number two, and he, Boaz, took ten men of the elders of the city and said, Sit ye down here. And they sat down apart. So now he's arranged a council. He's arranged witnesses, elders of the city. They've gathered around, and he begins to speak about this business to this near kinsman. Verse number three. And he said unto the kinsmen, Naomi that is come out of the country of Moab, selleth a parcel of land, which was our brother Elimelech's. And I thought to advertise thee, saying, Buy it before the inhabitants, before the elders of my people. And if thou wilt redeem it, redeem it. But if thou wilt not redeem it, then tell me that I may know, for there is none to redeem it beside thee, and I am after thee. And he said, I will redeem it. So as Boaz sits down, he gets to the council of people, and he says, I want to do things decently in order that Naomi, who is a close near uh, kinsman, happens to be selling some land. And she doesn't want it anymore. The inheritance rights are up. You're the one closest to me. And we're wondering, you no, know, if you want to buy it. Well, immediately he starts saying, Land. Yeah, I could do some more land, and he starts thinking about it. You could start seeing the money symbols in his eyes, and he starts going, "Yeah, I'll redeem it." Now, as he starts going, Boaz says, "Whoa, whoa, wait a second. There's one more part that I need to let you know." Verse number five. Then said Boaz, "What day thou buyest the field of the hand of Naomi, thou must also buy it of the Ruth, the of Ruth the Moabitess, the wife of the dead, to raise it up." in the name of the dead upon his inheritance now he said before you start getting too eager it comes with a, another caveat if you purchase the land you also have to purchase roof the Moabitus. now To the Hebrew person God had protected the Hebrew people and had tried to make them unique and special from the people of the land. God had told them specifically in the book of Deuteronomy not to go into the land of Moab and not to take wives thereof and not to be a part of them that they were supposed to be special and unique. Well, when the man heard this, his Hebrew roots start to really tingle a lot and said, well, wait a second. No, 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 no. There's no way I'm going to allow some Gentile woman, some Moabite woman into my family. I'm not going to allow that stain to be in my family. No, I'm not going to do it. Not interested, not willing, not willing to do it. Now, remember, for the kinsman redeemer, he had met the first two qualifications. Here was a man who was, by right able to purchase this he was a near kinsman he had the power to as they talked about the land he immediately said I'll willing I'll buy it I'll buy it no problem but when he found out there was another part to it that he also had to purchase some gentile Moabite woman now he was not willing and so therefore he didn't meet the qualifications I'm not willing to allow this Gentile dirty Moabite woman to be a part of my Hebrew family. Not going to happen. Not interested. Notice as he denies it, verse number 6. And the kinsman said, I cannot redeem it for myself, lest I mar my own inheritance. Redeem thou my right to thyself. I cannot redeem it. His cannot is actually he will not. But nope, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to involve myself. Not going to happen. Now this was the manner after the former time in Israel concerning redeeming and concerning changing to confirm all things. A man plucked off his shoe and gave it to his neighbor. And this was a testimony in Israel. Therefore the kinsman said to Boaz, buy it for thee. So he drew off. His shoe. Now, again, this is part of the reason why Boaz had gathered the council. He didn't ask him singularly, a person to person. He had the council there. So that way, everyone saw that the man had said no. And as a public ceremony, they did something strange. And it's not in the law, but it was a custom that had developed over time. That in order to prove that he actually said no, he took off a shoe in front of everyone, gave it to his neighbor and said, nope, don't want it. I don't know what you would do with the shoe, but that was the principle. In front of everyone, he took off a shoe, passed it off, not willing. Boaz looks at the guys, said, all right, you witnessed it for yourself. He said, no, I'm the next kinsman up. I want to testify before the rest of you, I am willing. So again, the three qualifications had to be met. That first of all, they had to have the right to redeem by being a blood relation. They had to have the power to redeem. They had to have the ability to purchase it. And then they had to have the willingness to redeem. They had to be willing to buy it. Now, why was Boaz, a Hebrew man himself, why was he so willing to purchase the land and and Ruth? I'm mean, sure that he had already fallen in love. I'm sure that helped quite a bit But why would he, being a Hebrew man, be willing to entertain taking in a Moabite woman? Well, if you remember, as we covered the other day, his mother was Rahab the harlot. She herself was a Gentile inside of the land of Jericho and she was adopted into the family by his father Solomon and we had taken the time to show that adoption after that land that she had lived by faith and showed faith and God had honored her remember that we see Rahab mentioned in Matthew chapter number one we see her mentioned in Hebrews chapter 11 then we see her repeated in James chapter 2 that God had honored this gentile woman For her faith. And there was something about her faith. That when her daddy Solomon. Who was now settling into this area. After the Joshua campaigns. He took Rahab and married her. And don't you think they did a good job of Rahab and Solomon. To take this little man by the name of Boaz. And not only was he wealthy. But they said you know what. God is able to use people other than Hebrew people. God is able to reach out to those who are not the same and so you could almost see a twinkle in Rahab's eye, at least in my imagination. She says, it's all right, son. She has great faith. And remember, we saw there that he had testified of her faith. I heard about your faith. And how you turned away from those other false gods and came to a land of people that wasn't your own. You have great faith. And so mama says, I can marry you. Mama likes you. You got mama's approval. And so I don't mind. I know other people may sneer, they may laugh, but we have no problems bringing you into the family. Aren't you glad for that? You almost think that if it wasn't for Rahab being part of his family, he'd probably have been like the rest of the Hebrew people. But just because God allowed one, why not allow another? And by the way, Ruth herself was once again mentioned in Matthew chapter number one and was in part of this lineage of Jesus Christ that God had honored her faith as well and happened to bring her to the right person who was willing to marry her willing to buy her who had the right to redeem who had the power to redeem and had the willingness to redeem. And so we pick it up, notice with me in verse number 9, And Boaz said unto the elders and unto the people, Ye are witnesses this day, and I have brought all that was Elimelech's, and all that was Killian's, and all that was Malon's, and the hand of Naomi. Moreover Ruth the Moabitess the wife of Malon have I purchased to be my wife, to raise up the name of the dead upon his inheritance that the name of the dead be not cut off from his brethren and from the gates of his place ye are witnesses this day and all the people that were in the gates and the elders said we are witnesses then notice the blessing they give upon him verse number 11 in the middle of it the lord make the woman that has come into thy house it's kind of interesting that they didn't call her Ruth the Moabitess there. But the woman that's now coming to your house, let her be like Rachel and Leah, which too did build the house of Israel. And remember, we covered them before, that Leah is part of that lineage of Christ, whereas Rachel was not. But between them and the, their two uh, maids, they had twelve sons which became the twelve tribes of Israel and they're saying we want you to be blessed just like Jacob and just like Leah and just like Rachel. I don't know if Ruth necessarily wanted to have that blessing of having the twelve kids but neither here nor there they were giving the blessing that she would be fruitful and that they would actually carry on whether they knew it or not. This blessing was actually endorsing to carry on this lineage of Jesus Christ notice as it goes on in verse number 12 and let thy house be like the house of Perez whom Tamar bare unto Judah of the seed which the Lord shall give thee this young woman and by the way they said listen let this lineage carry and just like Perez had a descendant and we're you're part of that descendants let God bless you And by the way, God is carrying out the blessing. And the rest of this chapter talks about them actually having children. And remember who, as we explained this morning, who uh, Ruth's great-grandson was? King David. And then later on became the lineage of Jesus Christ. You'd almost think that God was blessing someone because they stepped out in faith even though it was the unknown. Well, as we hit the historical part, Let us turn to Jesus Christ. And I want to show you one last thing. Jesus Christ, our Redeemer. Jesus Christ, our Redeemer. Now remember that Jesus Christ, he himself was our kinsman Redeemer. And remember the three qualifications of the kinsman Redeemer. As that first of all, they had to have the right to redeem by blood. Now this is very interesting. He had to have the right to redeem by the right of blood. Well, one of the things about God is that God is God. And God is not a man. His ways are a lot more higher than our ways. His thoughts are above our thoughts. They are not the same. You know, this is one of the reasons why Jesus Christ, who was God, robed himself in flesh and dwelt among us. This allowed him to have the right to redeem Because he is now blood related to all of us men. All of us humankind. He now has the right to redeem because he is blood related to us. He was born of a woman. Oh, isn't that wonderful? And almost like God knew what he was doing the whole time. And so he had a provision in the law and had it set up. Little did we know that later on God himself was planning on enforcing this part of the law to redeem us. By becoming blood related to us. That he was 100% God and he was 100% man. And now Jesus Christ had the right to redeem. He could redeem all of mankind because he himself was man. Who was perfect. Which brings us to the second qualification. He had to have the power to redeem. Well, the Bible speaks about this. Notice with me, if you don't mind, the book of 2 Corinthians chapter number 8. The book of 2 Corinthians chapter number 8. We know that Jesus Christ had the right to redeem because he was now man. He had born in the fashion of man just like you and I, except that he was without sin. And in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter number 8. Notice with me, if you don't mind, in verse number, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 8. And notice with me in verse number 9. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse number 9. For ye know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be rich." What we see here is that Jesus Christ not only had the right to redeem. He had the power to redeem. He was God and he had the riches of heaven. And he gave it all up to be formed in the fashion of a man. He never stopped being God but he humbled himself. He was born in a manger. He should have been if he was going to be born anywhere. Born in a palace with all of creation pronouncing his goodness in his name. But he was born in a manger. By the way, what city was he born in? Bethlehem. Of the same inheritance of Boaz. And we had traced that the other day. Even all of the things that the Bible said about Bethlehem. It's almost like God knew what he was doing after all. And had brought it to the same inheritance land. Where he was supposed to be. before the right to redeem. And the power to redeem. And for our sakes he became poor. He gave up his riches and lived in poverty so he could have the right to redeem us. And then he shed his precious blood to redeem us. That word redeem is a very special word. Remember that in the Roman days 75% of the population were slaves. And so a lot of the vernacular, a lot of the vocabulary of that day came from some of those uh, relations with the slaves. The word redeem in its full meaning means to buy back as from a slave market and just like someone would go into a slave market and they would actually purchase a human being Jesus Christ went to the slave markets of sin and he purchased our price with his blood that Jesus Christ paid the price for you and he paid the price for me and he had enough through his blood to pay for the sins of the entire world All those that lived before and all those that live in the future, his blood is enough. He's able to purchase every soul unto himself. He had the power to redeem, he had the right to redeem. But we also saw this he had the willingness. To redeem, turn with me if you don't mind to the most famous Bible verse in all the Word of God, John chapter 3. John chapter 3 and verse 16. I'm sure that you can quote it, but let's look again. We know that Jesus Christ, He was the kinsman redeemer, and that He robed Himself in flesh so He could be the near kinsman and have the right to redeem. That we know that He had the power to redeem, that He was rich and became poor for our sakes. And then he also had the willingness to redeem. How do we know that? Well, the Bible tells us so. Notice with me in John chapter 3 and verse number 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth him should not perish but have everlasting life. You understand that God's redeeming grace is not extended because of duty. It is given out of love. Because he loved. Just like Boaz loved Ruth. And he was willing to buy her because of the love. And purchase the inheritance rights. And bring her to himself. The Lord Jesus Christ did it for the same reason. He didn't do it because he had to. He did it because he wanted to. Because he loved us. He wanted to purchase to himself. He was willing to die on the cross. And have his blood shed. And by the way he was not cut. Uh, unawares, he knew he was born to die. And he did it anyways. He was willing to redeem. Now, as for our part, it's simple. Will we accept this redemption? Will we accept the free gift? Now, I understand I'm preaching to a Sunday night crowd, and usually if you're here on a Sunday night, it is because you've already come to the place where you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior already. But again, as we're going through this is next up. But it's always good to hear the story once again that Jesus Christ died for us and that he loved us. And this is just a reminder. You know, sometimes Satan will get us and our flesh will get us to the place we have a pity party. Does God really love me? Does he even like me? Does he do who I am? Well, I'm thankful that he does. That God does love you. And he loves you so very much. And he proved it on the cross of Calvary. I'm so thankful for it. Will you say, well, is that all I'm good for? Well, notice, I want to give you some encouragement. Notice with me in Romans chapter number 8. Romans in chapter number 8. You know, Jesus Christ loved you so much that he died on the cross. And he paid the price for you. But notice with me, if you don't mind. I want to let you know that his love just didn't stop after he saved you. His his love didn't stop just when he died on the cross of Calvary. But notice with me in Romans chapter 8 and verse number 32. Romans 8 and verse number 32. He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? You know, God loves you so much. He's willing to give you what you need. It does not make sense that God would send his son to die on the cross of Calvary. Because he loved you but not give you $8.39 when you need it. He loves you that much he's willing to take care of you. As we look at the story of Boaz and Ruth. After he redeemed her to himself and he purchased the property. When Ruth looked at him and says honey we need some new clothes. Do you think he said I've given you enough woman what more do you want? No because he loved her. He was willing to also give her what she needed. And also give her what she wanted from time to time because of that love. Let me tell you, our God loves you that much too. And he's willing to continue to supply and willing to take care of you beyond the cross of Calvary because he loves you. All you have to do is ask your heavenly father. He's willing to supply. He's willing to take care of you. Again, that flesh gets in the way and sometimes you get in the pity part of disease. But let me tell you, God Loves you. And he'll never stop loving you. There's nothing you could do to make him love you less. And there's nothing. He loves you supremely. There's nothing you can do to make him stop loving you. Let me tell you a secret. That God doesn't just love you. He also likes you. We all have people that we love. But we don't want to go on vacation with. God just doesn't love you. He likes you too. One of the wonderful things is that you're accepted. Turn with me to the book of Ephesians chapter number one. And we'll finish it up. Ephesians chapter number one. Notice with me in Ephesians chapter one. And notice with me in verse six. To the praise of the glory of his grace. Wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved. You know that God just doesn't love you. He accepts you. Isn't that encouraging? Isn't that exactly what Boaz did? Here is a man near kinsman who said, Nope, I won't accept her. I don't want her part of the family. But Boaz says, Not only will I redeem her, I accept her. I want her to be a part of my family. I have no problems with her being one of mine. Aren't you so glad that God accepts us? Because when he got us, he didn't get a prize. He got something that was going to end up causing him more heartache and more grief than what it was worth. But he still accepted us. Even there are times that we aggravate him. Have you ever wondered how many times you give God a headache if he can actually get a headache? Have you ever wondered how many times you frustrated God and he, oh, what guys. Again, God has emotions and we can see some of the emotions in there. I'm so glad that he still accepts us. He still loves us. Maybe there's someone who just needed that encouragement. There are some people who actually believe that God saved them, sure, but that God doesn't like them very much. I want to let you know that God doesn't just love you. He likes you and you're accepted. Now, what's our response to this? We should be thankful people. Remember, we don't serve God in order to get something from him. We serve God because of what he's already done for us. Our motive should be different. I'm not trying to get something from God. I'm so thankful what he's done for me. I'm responding to his love. Don't you think that's what Ruth did? Do you think Ruth was serving Boaz and trying to be a good wife in order to stay a good wife? Or to stay being a wife? She probably served and did the things that she did too because she loved her husband. And was thankful for what he did. We should have that same responsive type love to God. We should be a thankful people for what God has already done. Our motive should not be something to get something from him. Our motive should be serving him because of what he has already done for us. He's already proven his love towards us. I'm so thankful for that. He's already proved that he loved us. And he proved that he liked us. We're accepted. Let us serve God thankfully.